so so uh crunch crunch up to my hands and I was like well excuse me (laughs) you want me to move (laughs) yeah um I didn't feel like I was just like scared to move and then like when I eventually felt like I was more capable I started doing it but you're probably right I probably was more much more capable earlier on I just was scared to do it can I ask a really dumb question what are you scared of yeah like screwing anything up down there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right it's already been so stressed in a variety of ways. Even pregnancy is stressful for that area. And mm-hmm. then, so it's scary to, you know, push back your healing progress. But I mean, like your doctor says, you can walk. And if you can walk, you can do a lot of other movements that you might not think that you can do. Living, living, oh, and well, 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 put together. We feel it. Take care, Take care of ourselves. Of ourselves. Hello, and welcome back to the Wishing You Well podcast, where we help you navigate your wellness journey each and every week. I'm Amy Alvaro. And I'm Catherine Van Eyck. We are both licensed therapists and talking to you about postnatal fitness today with our returning guest, Michelle Schwartz. Welcome, Michelle. Hello. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a couple of months, so it's nice to be returning and in a different phase of life at the moment. <laughs> Yes. I, yeah. Right before we hopped on, we were saying we saw you like days before you were giving birth to your um your second child, your daughter. And now here we are six months later. So yes, like time has passed, new phase of life, mom of two now. So we're so excited to have you back to talk about postnatal fitness as you are in that phase of life as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm so excited to share so much of what I've done personally, but just also my knowledge as well. Um, stuff that's helped me. My sister actually has a baby that's, um, three months old at the moment. So I've been like working through with her too. So it's a lot of hands-on, uh, knowledge I'm ready to share. And we want it all. Uh, but before we get into that, we have to start with our self-care check-in. As you may remember, Michelle, we, we love to start our episode off with just a check-in to kind of see how we're all doing, um, what our needs are looking like right now, what we're doing to care for ourselves. And so what, what about you? Like how, how are you doing? Um, what does your self-care look like these days? Oh my, I will be completely honest right now. I need a night's sleep. (laughs) Um, my six month old does not sleep through the night yet. And it is draining, I will say. Um, so sleep is definitely something that will always be on my checklist in some way, but especially right now, it's it's pretty high. So yeah, that's what I need. And I will say I try and take advantage of naps whenever I can. So if both kids are down at the same time, I'll usually try and nap around that time as well if I can squeeze it in. Otherwise, I'm to bed almost soon after they go to bed at night. <laughs> so we're taking over your nap time today. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, sorry, <laughs> sorry, and thank you. <laughs> so, how many hours are you aiming for these days a night? I think it totally varies. Mm-hmm. So, like unbroken sleep, I would love for like five and a half hours. Um, right now, I wake up probably every three hours. But I still get, I still get like about seven probably total, but I don't know how much REM sleep I'm getting if I'm waking up so frequently still. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And it's quick. I mean, she, 
calms pretty quickly. I'm still feeding her, but it's still broken up. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sleep is nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So really, really trying to prioritize sleep and getting it where, where and when you can. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's definitely a different story with two compared to one because right after my first, I was able to squeeze in naps pretty much whenever he did. And now it's like a balancing act of usually one of them's awake. So you just kind of have to go through it, but sleeping at night as much as I can going to bed early. I've definitely gone to bed significantly earlier in the past couple months because I just have to. Well, thank you again for giving us your nap time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Michelle, I need to take a, um, a note from your book, which I'm sure I'll say a lot for the topic today that we're talking about, but regarding sleep, I should put that on my self-care to do, uh, to get it where I can, because I'm also not sleeping well or long. It's very terrible. <laughs> I feel like we both have the same expression on our face. Yeah. Like slight cringe, but it's okay. <laughs> Your mom. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh. Well, what so that's on your self-care to do, your self-care needless list, Catherine. But like what what is your self-care looking like? Or like what else are you prioritizing right now? Okay. Yes. Because I'm not prioritizing that. I'm not being smart like Michelle is and taking naps (laughs) like where I should, um, because I do only have one, so I should really take advantage. Um, I, I'm loading up with the supplements and I know I talked about this last week about collagen. So I'll update that later because it's too early to tell if it's working. However, I'm not scratching my face. So it's nice. I don't know. I'm like a walking thorn ad. Hey, sponsor the podcast. I take my prenatal vitamin still. I take an omega three. I take a vitamin D and magnesium and zinc. I'm like taking it all, and I'm not getting sick, which is great. I don't know if that is adrenaline still, or, or if all these things are working. But I'm gonna say it's because all these things are working. So that is a big self-care that I make sure I do every day is I take all of these. Oh, and a probiotic. I take all of those things every day, different times in the day. Like at night, I'm taking the magnesium and the zinc, but everything else in the morning. And I'm convinced it's what's keeping me going and what's keeping me, you know, producing all the healthy things for my baby. So I definitely make sure I, I get that, I do that every day. The, su- the subs are... Are good. I mean, it's a lot to also keep track of. Like, do you have like a little day, like day, day by day, a little uh, old person? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just have them in the cabinet and I mm-hmm. just know where to do it and which ones to take good. at this point. I'm sure there've been some times where there've been like one, there's been like one supplement left in the thing. And I'm like, Oh, I'm supposed to take three of these. What happened? So I know that mom brain kicked in one of those times and like, I didn't take the right dosage and mm-hmm. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should maybe I should have one of those things but this is working ish for now <laughs> good okay well what about you um well I don't have a newborn but I am struggling with sleep right now completely within my control which is annoying to me um but I was telling Catherine right before this that like my my schedule's been like just a little nuts just trying to manage competing priorities and so I like between a lot of travel back and forth um like my days are starting earlier. Like I've been up since 2 a.m. and I'll like have to 
be up until like probably around 12.30 a.m. tomorrow, technically. Oh. And um, and I went to bed last night around 10.30 because I taught a class. And the night before, I was up until like after midnight recording our other podcast. So like definitely like my my available time to sleep has really diminished. I feel like I'm running on adrenaline. Don't know where that's coming from. I'm feeling okay right now. Um, so I'm not prioritizing sleep at all. Um, I'm just like not thinking about it. So and that's going to go on my list. <laughs> um, but the things that I'm doing, I'm kind of like building on what I shared last week. Um, I, I had um, pre-ordered groceries last Wednesday for my like arrival to Miami. Did the same thing this week, expanded my grocery order a little bit more because I'll be here for a while. I also pre-ordered my lunch. So I didn't have to, I like did that at three in the morning. So it was like ready and here. And I pre-booked a workout class I'm going to do after this. And so I'm like just trying to be like as proactive as possible and like trying to get my needs met. But the big thing I'm doing is also trying to stay as hydrated as possible because with, again, all the travel and time and flight, I'm like losing so much water. And so I'm just trying to like make sure that I'm hydrated and I've definitely been slacking a little bit. So you'll, you're going to see me sipping quite a bit of my water bottle today. So that's my self-care at least today. I was going to say ordering groceries has been a huge help for me. Like going out of the house with one, it's like, okay, doable. With two, it's like, a lot of times Ava has to be held and, or one of them's in about food or I'm legitimately holding her in one arm, pushing a cart in the other that Austin's in and it's trying to get food in the meantime. So sometimes it's just like not happening. So I Instacart almost every week now for my groceries. And I'm like, this is life changing. It is so convenient. And I find, yeah, like, I mean, they have that extra service fee, But I find myself only ordering things that are more on my list instead of shopping with all the extras. So I'm like, I'm technically saving money right now. (laughs) Oh, I'm with you. I had the same thought. My grocery bill was so much less um, in ordering my groceries. And it was one of those things where I don't know why I never did it before. It is a a life changer. I I think I'll do it like when I'm at home too. It it saves so much time. And for me, like the time like yeah. the, the the cost of me going and like all the stuff is like that's worth whatever the delivery charge is um mm-hmm. so Catherine think about it yeah hop on <laughs> hop on the train <laughs> yeah another thing I might want to start doing I you know what I have done is like the pickup but I haven't mm-hmm. done the like come just come all the way to me come to me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah do it and report back yeah done <laughs> Yeah. Life hacks over here on wishing you well. (laughs) Okay. Are we ready to get into our episode? Let's do it. Hello, wishing you well, listeners. Catherine here taking a moment for all the new mommies out there. Okay. So not all of you are new moms, but some of you are. And from one first time mom to another, this new life we're living is full of joy. Yes. But also it's extremely overwhelming at times. I know what's made a huge difference for me is finding support in others going through the same stage of life. That's why we created a postpartum group so you can experience just that. We'll talk about all the change that's happened, gained valuable resources, all while connecting with other mamas. Amy and I talk about self-care all the time, as you know, and if you're a new mom, you know how much of a challenge that can be. 
So let this group be your gateway to focusing on your needs by creating weekly check-ins. This six-week group is super accessible because it's not only over Zoom, but also at a time when baby is probably down for the night. But if not, because life is unpredictable with your little one, it's totally okay to bring baby if you need to. So if you've had a baby within the last year and you want to tend to your emotional needs with other new mamas, then sign up for Beyond the Birth at the link in our show notes. Right. Well, so as we've been referencing, um, you, you've been a guest on our pod before, but for those of, um, those of our listeners who maybe didn't get a chance to like meet you back then, or maybe it's been, it's been six months. Can you give our listeners a little refresher about who you are, what you do, why this is part of your passion, what that looks like? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Michelle Schwartz, also known as Fitstagram Michelle on Instagram. Great um, follow. Yeah, follow me. Um, I am a prenatal and postnatal fitness specialist, a personal trainer, a mom of two now, and I'm currently getting a deeper certification in pre and postnatal corrective exercise. So I'll learn a little bit more and have more to share. Uh, but I have a pre and postnatal fitness app that helps women really work out throughout their entire pregnancy, postpartum, whether you're C-section or vaginal birth and beyond. So it has been a huge passion of mine to share my knowledge, mostly because I've been applying it to my own life. And there's so many women that I've seen who just don't know how to safely exercise during those times or what is best for them. And so my goal is to really take away those question marks and just make it really easy to understand. And I have a workout guide for you. And I share all of these tips on my Instagram as well. Um, as I said, great follow as I, I I'm a non-mom and I feel like I, it's still applicable. It's very applicable to me. Um, and the thing that I really appreciated so much about having you on our podcast over the summer was, um, not only are you very knowledgeable, but the way that you are able to translate your knowledge in a way that's like so digestible, it makes so much sense. It feels much more accessible and um, the world of fitness in and of itself can be overwhelming. And then I imagine navigating different seasons of, of life um, as well along with that becomes more overwhelming. And so I really appreciated how sim like simple and accessible you made what you do um, and how that can support women of all stages and ages. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. I think that's definitely one of the things that I've seen also in this industry is people either have like doctor talk and I'm like, wh what are they saying right now? Like, how can I digest it? And I'm certified in all these different areas and even I'm struggling. Um, or you see it just like a one size fits all for everyone, which isn't always right either, but a nice in-between really helps, you know, generalize the information in a way that's understandable, but also um, that is personal to each person. You can see it. Well, I know I love it as a new mommy. Also, I appreciate all of your content um, and everything that you are putting out there. But speaking of personal, uh, how has this postpartum journey been for you compared to your prenatal journey? Yeah. So pregnancy, I actually felt really good this time around. The second time I was like, 
I've done this before. I know what to expect. I know how my body's going to feel. And I felt like I could really push myself to different limits in terms of trying to strengthen my body more than I had the first time around a little bit more. Um, and just really applying all the knowledge that I get, I gained already. And so that was pretty smooth. I would say the one thing that was kind of like a shakeup for me as I had gone into birth, hoping to have a V-back. So go into a vaginal birth instead of a C-section. And I had a C-section with my first cause he was breech. And so the second time around, I was like, I'd love to just try vaginal, see what happens and see if, um, it's a different, you know, it's a completely different experience. And I wanted that experience. And I kept trying to induce labor, induce labor, and she never came. Um, and so I was kind of sad about that. And I ended up having a scheduled C-section because she was running big and they were worried that even if I did go into labor late, that she would be too big at that point for me to push out anyway. And I'd have to get a C-section. So I ended up getting a scheduled C-section two days before my due date. Um, and oddly enough, it was a huge blessing in disguise because my doctor went in and said that my anatomy, I don't know if it was based on like pregnancy had like shifted things around, but my hips were like slightly um, turned under so that because she was on the larger side, I wasn't going to be able to push her out no matter how hard I tried anyway. So I would have needed a C-section. So, um, that was a huge blessing. So I got a C-section round two and experienced it similarly to how my, I did my first, but I knew how I was going to feel this time. I knew that like, it was going to hurt in your back a whole lot. Like the first three days after you give birth that, um, walking's going to hurt a lot, but you can do it. And they encourage you to do it within 12 hours of surgery. Um, and my postpartum journey since then has been trying to compare that first um, postpartum experience to my second, just knowing that I have all this extra knowledge that I've gained along the way and through my certifications. And it has been hugely impactful in the best way. I think that I recovered very quickly from my first one, but my second has just been, I've gained my strength back faster. I've been able to move my body more consistently. I think because I was pushing myself a little bit more rather than being afraid that I was actually going to hurt myself. Um, so just knowing what was safe in this postpartum journey, the second time around for the C-section has been amazing. Um, but it is, I think the most challenging part for me postpartum always is although I'm hurting because I had surgery, I'm also dying to move my body. And I think that comes with like, I was so consistent, even going on a walk every single day during pregnancy or, you know, moving my body at least five days a week in some sort of workout. And without that, I was like, like shaking. I was like, I just want to move and feel like myself again. So I think slowing down compared to the prenatal side has been, or was pretty difficult, especially in those first, like, I'd say two to three weeks where you're supposed to be pretty light after a C-section. That was probably the hardest thing for me. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, movement is such a big part of your life. And so like, how did you 
get get through that and kind of not really feeling like yourself and like having this urge to move your body but being so limited like what what was helpful in kind of getting you through that period yeah I would say the thing that helped me the most was I did little tiny increments each day so um even though you're not supposed to move a ton there are movements that you can do with a c-section and like walking is the number one thing that they encourage straight out of the hospital. Like it's going to hurt a lot and you have to build your way up to like a mile, two miles down the road. But, you know, going for a five to 10 minute walk it like per day, I was like, this is really nice. And then the next day I did like a five minute walk in the morning and then a five minute walk at night. And then like, I slowly built my way back up and just that consistency of moving at all. And it was something that I got to look forward to each day. It's like, oh, this is like my chance to feel like myself again, even in the midst of like crazy early postpartum hormones and like baby crying and trying to navigate all of that. I was like, this is my time. And I mean, it's obviously actually really good for the baby too, because it regulates their circadian rhythm as well. If you're going on walks outside. So I was like, this is great for both of us. Like we're going to do this and it's going to feel amazing. Um, but scheduling that time. And then there are a lot of stretches and really light mobility work that you can do that I treated like a workout. So, I mean, I'm not pushing myself during that time, but I was like, this is movement time. So that is like some trigger that I had to go through in my brain. It's like, this is time that I can dedicate that I would be working out. And it's going to get me to be able to work out like I used to in the future. So those are probably the steps that really helped the most with the walks and then those increments of progressive mobility work. I mean, you said it and it's so true. You have to take it slow and you did, you were patient with yourself and you, it seems like you used that end goal of not, I want to, you know, like, I want to get back to my pre-baby body kind of end goal, but like, I want to get back to doing what I could do with my body. And that's really impressive in itself to just like, look at that like next stage as the goal and not the very end and that very like picturesque type view of it you're looking at like what's real here that I can totally try to achieve yeah I I totally understand exactly what you're saying because it's hard to slow down when you're consistent and it's hard to be like what was really hard for me was not being able to pick up my first because with the c-section you're not supposed to lift 25 pounds (laughs) right? Um, For at least a week, maybe two weeks after. And so that was probably the hardest thing for me. And so that was like another one of my goals is like, I just want to pick up my son. Like I want want to, he's still my baby, you know, like I want to be able to hold him. And so, um, you know, going through these movements, I was like, this is going to help me and it's going to heal me faster than just trying to pick him up or like trying to lift weights right from the start. It's like, that's just not smart (laughs) in any way. So, um, the progressive thing actually really helps. A lot of what you're saying has, is something that's worked really well for you. What's maybe some advice that you have for somebody who's entering their postpartum stage, uh, when it comes to physical fitness and exercise? I think the most common thing I actually do see is that people take it too slow. If that's something that I can share, I think that some people 
are are so afraid to hurt themselves, especially especially with a C-section, I would say, is that they just do no movement, right? No movement at all for a month or six weeks until they see their doctor. And so those first six weeks are essential for healing pelvic floor or your surgery, your abs, um, any part of your body really that's achy, right? And if you're not moving at all, if you're super stagnant, if you are breastfeeding or bottle feeding and your shoulders are slunched over, if you're constantly seated because you're worried to move, like you're, you're scrunching your body so much that you're going to be in so much pain later. Like your chest is going to be feeling sore. Your back muscles, your shoulder muscles are just going to be aching. And then you're going to lose a whole lot of your muscle mass throughout all of that just stagnant time. So I would say, yes, you have to be slow in progressively working out and moving your body more, but don't just sit on the couch and do nothing. Say like, I, my, I'm not cleared by my doctor, so I can't move my body. That is not what the doctor wants either. Like they tell you to go on walks every day. Like they say that's actually really healing for your body. Um, but there's a, a large number of pelvic floor movement and exercises, mobility exercises um, that you can do that are done before the six week mark that are giving you a better chance of being cleared at that time, but also increasing your movement and mobility that heal your body faster. So when you are lightly moving your body and stretching, you're bringing blood flow to those muscles that actually heal and stimulate that healing quicker than if you're just not moving at all, right? So um, going light, but moving your body is really helpful. And um, it, it's it's kind of interesting because I think that a lot of your daily movement is movement in itself. Like I did a, a reel on my Instagram where it was like a series of different things that I'm like, this is what I'm doing postpartum. It's the first two weeks and it's, I'm unloading the dishwasher. Like I'm squatting down or hinging over to grab dishes and put them away. Like that is movement. And if you're not moving your body at all um, and like training for those movements or like loading a lawn, like your laundry bin, like whatever it might be, um, you know, you're going to lose that strength. And these are everyday movements. You're sitting down on the couch. That's technically a squat. So why can't you do a body weight squat onto the couch 10 times in a row and call that a workout? Like that is in your postpartum phase, like it's slow, but it is movement that is movement with purpose. So moving for motherhood is something that we need to focus on postpartum. All of that is so empowering because I I wish I heard that before I gave birth because I was so scared to move like I know that, that I think one of the nurses yeah one of the nurses when I was leaving the hospital was like start going for walks when you as as it feels comfortable and I was like really like I feel like I can't move at all like are you serious <laughs> and then I remember at my two-week appointment with my doctor she was or my midwife like so, so, uh, crunch, crunch up to my hands. And I was like, well, excuse me, <laughs> you want me to move? <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't feel like I was just like scared to move. And then like, when I eventually felt like I was more capable, I started doing it, but you're probably right. I probably was more, much more capable earlier on. I just was scared to do it. Can I ask a really dumb question as again, someone who 
who is not in this. What do you, what's, what's scary? Like, what do you, what are you scared of? <laughs> Everything. Um, like, is it, no. is it like, um, like tearing? Like what is that? Afraid of like, yeah, not healing as quickly. Afraid mm-hmm. of like bleeding more. Afraid mm-hmm. of, yeah, like screwing anything up down there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's already been so stressed in a variety of ways. Even pregnancy is stressful for that area. And Mm -hmm. then any movement, I mean, it's all interconnected. So that is frightening. And even with a C-section, I'm like, well, you cut open my abs. So I can't walk, but I can. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's scary to, you know, push back your healing progress. But I mean, like your doctor says, you can walk. And if you can walk, you can do a lot of other movements that you might not think that you can do. I also, I remember that series that you did, Michelle. And I also, and and I like found it so just like, you use the word empowering, Catherine. I, I like had that same sense. And I also remember how much like diaphragmatic breathing you were, were um, doing and how much that like you had, you had referenced this before was something that you referred to as movement and how like that was something that you also really focused on too. Oh yeah, definitely. I think breathing is one of the most essential things that you can do postpartum, prenatal, and any woman or man in general. Um, I'm actually in this corrective exercise course I'm taking right now. It's so informative about how impactful breathing can be and how it changes your intra-abdominal pressure, which either puts pressure on your abs or on your pelvic floor, which can create a variety of different issues. So when you're breathing correctly and breathing, um, you know, well, it's actually going to heal those areas a lot. And it's such a simple thing. I mean, you breathe so many times every single day. And that is technically a muscle that you're working at the same time. So when you're breathing with intention and properly in those diaphragmatic breaths, you're actually working out throughout your entire day. So, um, and especially with prenatal postpartum time is like, that's one of your areas that are most compromised. So being able to take advantage of that breath and doing it properly, that's going to heal your body faster. Mm. Yeah. Can we just decide that maybe breathing is the it's the thing is the medicine to everything that we're talking about? (laughs) It really is. It really is. I mean, mentally, emotionally, physically, let's all breathe. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, but but going back to um like this this worry that you know so many um women have new moms have around like potentially hindering their um their healing or potentially damaging or um like really um, hurting themselves um, like we're talking about really delicate areas here um how how would someone know and i don't know if this is like a, like a question that's too hard to answer but like how would someone be able to kind of figure out the edge of like I can do a little bit more or maybe that's too much. Like, is there, is there a way that you help women kind of figure out like where their bounds are there? Yeah, I would say definitely work with a 
pre-postnatal fitness specialist or a pelvic floor therapist, especially in those first six weeks, like those are really essential times and they can really help you personally navigate what that looks like for you. Cause it will vary for everyone. It's going to vary if you had a scheduled compared to an emergency C-section, or if you tore during birth or you didn't like how long your labor process was like, all of that's going to vary a lot about how much your body can handle. So it is going to alter person to person, but I would say a lot of it is knowing the difference between pain and discomfort. So a lot of times, especially with C-section, it's, um, your nerves are all messed up anyway. So really trying to understand if this pain is, is true pain or just making that area uncomfortable. Um, and same thing with a vaginal, really it's, it's, you don't want to be exacerbating the issue at all, but can you push it just like your challenge in workouts a little bit more than you feel comfortable? So navigating that edge is, is pretty difficult unless you're working with someone. Catherine, are you thinking, are you thinking what I'm thinking with just clients we worked with and therapy and uh, boundaries and where I was going. Yeah, go ahead. You do it. No. Well, I, I feel like this is, this is like, again, a theme that comes up just whenever we're in a transition potentially of like, it's, it's uncomfortable and, and it's necessary and it can feel so scary to even imagine going into or beyond that comfort zone. Um, and, and it's so essential, whether that's like, like getting to a physical push point or an emotional or mental push point. But this, this feels like so much of what we, um, help our clients navigate through as therapists. Oh, totally. I, I think that is probably like the sweet spot. Like that's why you're hired, right. Is so you can help people navigate that area. So breathe and get out of your comfort zone. What are some key exercises that postnatal women should be doing and what should they avoid doing? Yeah. So it's actually funny. A lot of what you're wanting, or I should say a lot of what you shouldn't be doing early postpartum is very similar to what you shouldn't be doing during pregnancy. So like planks are something you want to avoid for probably a couple months, at least postpartum, no matter what, how you gave birth, just because of those stress on those abs muscles during pregnancy. Um, and, and the plank is actually a very tough position for the, that. Um, so plank positions, I would say you can still incline, um, maybe even do like an incline plank. So you're on a chair, couch, whatever you want on your elbows, and you can be on your knees or your toes. Uh, that's an easy way to modify for that early on. But I think what you want to start out doing almost always is lying on your back during postpartum. And a lot of those back movements are going to be very healing because they're uh, far less stress on the abs. So instead of the gravity pushing your abs down and out, like you would be in a plank, it's reverse. So it's actually going to, the gravity is going to push onto your abs right against the ground. So it actually is more healing than, um, and less stressful than other positions might be. Um, but you're going to start out with a lot of single leg movements, um, movements where your knee you're lying on your back, your one of your knees bent and the other knee, you're just 
kicking your heel out and bringing it back and then reverse on that other side. But throughout every single movement, every single rep you're going to do, you're going to really focus on your breathing because like we said, breathing is essential and having a good breath during each rep will heal your body faster and it will help you do those moves where your body has lost that strength. So a lot of your abs have been compromised during pregnancy and, and that, that breath work is going to really heal them, especially bringing your abs back together. As I think they say 99 to 100% of pregnancy, you have some sort of gap between your abs um, from pregnancy. So, um, yeah, backline positions are going to be the best for you. And also some seated positions are really good. So if you're in a chair or if you're on a couch, bringing one knee up at a time. So it's like hovering your heel above the ground really helps. Um, and that's going to work your abs, but I would say plank positions are something that you want to do probably last, if anything. I just want to take a quick pause to tell you that revive is hiring. In our Miami and Pittsburgh offices, we have full and part-time W-2 and 1099 clinician positions available. And this includes both postgraduate and associate level licenses, in addition to fully licensed clinicians. In our Connecticut offices, we have full-time, fully licensed W-2 clinician positions available, including clinical supervisor opportunities. If you are interested in working for a company that values community, work-life balance, and your personal and professional growth, then we wanna meet you. Find a link to our website in our bio. One thing that I, um, again, know about you from following you on Instagram is how much your your kids are really involved in not only your your fitness routine, but also just like your overall like health and well being. Like I I know like prayer is also a big part of your life and and your like um, wellness practice. Like and your kids are are with you kind of like through all of these times of, of your day. And so like it, that I, I also love seeing. And so what is it that you are hoping that your kids um, see or learn as you are navigating this part of your life or just learn about wellness, well-being, taking care of your body? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because that's something that I am so passionate about clearly. Um, but I think really showing, leading by example, I think words mean a lot. But I think actions speak louder. And as the phrase goes, actions speak louder than words. And I, so I want my kids to be involved in so many parts of my life because they are part of my life. And I want them to not only see me, you know, scheduling out time for prayer, scheduling out time for a workout, scheduling out time to make dinner together and sit down together for a meal. Um, so they see that that is a priority for me. And I want them to, you know, be able to choose what their priorities might be, but also showing them this is a healthy schedule. This is a healthy routine. This is a healthy action. And that's my hope, hope for them as well. And it's so fun to be able to, you know, work out with my kids. So I have a gym in my basement and um, Ava can be involved, I should say, in a lot of my workouts. She's held for a lot of my squat movements and um, she becomes a nice weight for bicep curls every once in a while if she's a little fussy. But, you know, Austin will just hop in and be like, I'm doing squats and then he'll like do some burpees and we'll hold planks together. And it's just fun because it's not me forcing him at 
all by any means. He just like does it himself because he sees me doing it and he wants to be involved. And I'm like, that is best case scenario is you're choosing a healthy lifestyle on your own as a two-year-old. Like that's pretty cool. I'll be on my bike and then he hops on our rowing machine and just starts pulling the handle back. I'm like, you are amazing. It's great. <laughs> um, but it's so cute. And like just seeing how um, pliable their brains are at this moment. It's like they're closing all these synapses in their brains that are connecting and like really trying to understand everything that's going on and they want to be highly involved. So why not show them a really great way to be involved and to get their body moving instead of just sitting them in front of the TV when you're going to work out. It's like have them come down and work out with you. Like we have a little play gym if he wants to be on that, but he can choose what he wants to do. Um, and it's just like a good alternative for a lot of other options for kids, I feel like. And I think as moms, a lot of times I hear women say, I I don't have time to work out because I'm with the kids all day. I'm like, well, why can't your kids be with you during these times all day? Like if you're together, why not squat with them or, you know, make dinner with them? Austin will push up his chair every dinner and every snack and we'll make it together. And it's fun, but it's also a way that I can have my time and still influence in a positive way. I love that you integrate them into parts of your life that are so important to you and the the working art the working out part most notably I don't know what it is maybe it's the I guess stigma around like oh mom getting her workout in it's like a selfish thing that like I I've had and, and where I know very well it's not one exactly has how you said it it's modeling great behavior it's modeling something that you value um to your children so I know that it's important I know that it's valuable but why does it seem like it's harder or it's easier to be like, oh, like, like mommy's doing the dishes or like mommy's cooking dinner and like oh, baby's yeah. over in the chair watching and seeing that happen where like those are things that like have to get done. And those mm-hmm. are things that like just happen with, you know, alongside at least my infant. Um, yeah. Whereas like the working out piece, it's more like, I need to wait for her to go to sleep. And oh man, she didn't, she didn't sleep long enough. So now I can't work out or like, I have to wait for her to go to bed at night to do it. Like, what is it about that? And how do you get around that kind of mindset? Like, I can't do it this time. How could, how do I do it? Yeah. I think, I think there's two parts to that one is that a lot of times a workout is you time. Like it's your time away. It's your time to de-stress. And a lot of times when the kids there are crying or interrupting, it's like, that's stressful and I need to deal with that. So that can be part of it is why you're like, I need to wait until they're napping or down for the night or, you know, doing something else so that I can have this time for me, which I totally get. But a lot of times you're not going to have that time, especially as a mom of one, as a baby, like infant like that, or you know, multiple kids as it just keeps getting harder. It, the time gets less in the day where you truly have time by yourself for yourself. And so, you know, changing that part of your brain and just rerouting your thinking is just so helpful. So instead of saying like, oh yeah, the baby's going to interrupt me in my workout. I kind of just go into the workout saying she probably will, like, she's probably going to work 
out with me for this because I still want to get my thing done, but she needs to be helped. So like, can I just involve her in it? Can I, you know, have that time with her? And maybe I'll have some time by myself during it, but knowing that no matter what, whether it's broken up time, if you have to come back to the workout later because they're super fussy and just won't settle, or if you have to involve them in a workout or, you know, it's by yourself, whatever that is, that mindset of I'm still getting my workout in is my end goal. So whether it's broken up or not, whether it's messy or not, it's I'm still working out. I'm still moving my body. And that makes me a better mom because I'm one stronger to be able to hold them all day long or, you know, hold one while I'm pushing that shopping cart down the aisle and, you know, or, you know, picking up my two-year-old it's, I need to be strong. So I'm going to stay capable doing that. Um, showing consistency is good for them as well. Um, but yeah, I think that mindset of either it's me time or nothing, or, you know, switching it and just saying, I'm going to get my workout on no matter what it looks like, even if it's in the living room while we're, or like in the kitchen while we're making food as I'm doing some calf raises, whatever it might be, it's, I'm still doing it. So that's, that's something that you could just be like box checked. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Catherine, have you been finding it to be a challenge because I know you love you know movement is such a huge part of your life as well like how has it been for you in terms of getting this part of your life like integrated into your new life I I'd say the only time it's been like integrated is when um so my, my husband is a is a rehab Cairo and he um his office is in a gym so like I'll go work out there um so the only times that like it's been integrated is when I go there, hand her over to him <laughs> and then he kind of like walks her around while I work out. And like during that time, it's, it's funny. He'll like put those words in, in her mind, like, look, mommy's are yeah, mommy's getting stronger, you know, which is cool. Um, but the other times I've totally compartmentalized it. Like I am going to the gym at eight o'clock at night. And then once she goes down for yeah. bed at night and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I would much rather one just do it because I'm so tired at that time. Um, but I've I've also just been always been a morning or like mid-morning workout person. Um, so I would love to get it in then. Um, but anytime I've tried that, it's always been like, oh, I have to do it when she's napping. But you're you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I will say that's probably the most challenging part about the whole thing is you have your set usual schedule. You like, no, I love to work out in the morning or I know I love to work out at night and your schedules, you know, thrown out the door most of the time with kids. So it's, then it's like, they're down for a nap. I have 20 minutes to be able to get energy to work out, change my clothes, go down there, do it and be like, that's just not my mood right now. I think a lot of it, it's like, you have to flip a switch and be like, it's go time you know, and that's so difficult. But for me, what helps is I I just tell myself, well, one, I take sometimes like a, um, like a vitamin supplement to get me a little bit of energy going on, or like a coffee drink, um, like right before. But, you know, if I don't do it, I'm, I'm just like, this could be my only 20 minute span in the entire day. So it's now or never. And then I just go, you know, and I'm going to work out for as long or as little as possible, but that helps. But getting that energy, getting that flip 
of that switch is so hard sometimes. So I totally relate to that. Can I ask a potentially loaded question that might also just um, speak to like my upbringing? Um, you you both are moms of girls. And so like, do, does does the idea of like raising a girl and all the, as you, you know, you both grew up um, in this, in this time, like, do you, do you, does that factor into, to kind of the way that you look at whether it's fitness or health or well-being and the idea that you are modeling something for your daughters? Like, does that, does that come into play at all? I think for me, a hundred percent does. I think that I, was raised with an incredible mom. Um, I'm one of five girls and no brothers. So I have a lot of (laughs) estrogen that I grew up with, but my mom was so active her whole life and our lives. And all of my sisters were super active and just being able to look at my mom as a over 60 year old woman now. And she's like, fitter than me. I'm like, this is incredible. You know, she just never quit. Like she was always, she's always active. She goes to the gym, she plays pickleball, she goes on bike rides, she does it all. Um, and that is so empowering to me because I'm like, that's my model. Even now as a 32 year old woman, I'm looking up to my mom being like, she's just as fit as I am double my age. And like, I can be that. I think so many times like women get into this, this philosophy that they're like, I'll, I'll never be the same after baby, or, you know, they just go into a slump and then it just keeps going down from there. Cause it's like baby and then work or, you know, working from home or just being a mom and then it's aging. And, and that like slope can feel like a downward slope or downward hill, but like, it doesn't have to. And there's so many ways to be strong as a woman, you know, physically, emotionally, um, all of it. And, and being able to take advantage of working out in that way is being like, I'm, I feel really strong. And that makes me emotionally strong too. Like, that's what I want my girls to see. And that's what, you know, I want other people to see in me and thankful to my mom who's able to model that. You know, I never thought of it in terms of like being a female or anything like that. I just thought of it as, and I'm Amy, I'm thinking back to our values episode, um, I just thought of it as this is a value of mine. It's a value of my husband's. And so it's a value of our families. Mm-hmm. So how can I make sure that I, like you said, model that for my daughter, you know, future children, um, so that it can be part of our family life. Um, just like anyone would with, with education or with religion or with something like fitness, health, just all of that encompassing is something that really important to us. Um, so I thought of it in that way, but I do love that. Just thinking about how I have a little girl and, and she could be influenced in so many different ways as a, as a girl. So I have to have to give that some more thought too, and see how I can further rework that mindset. Like you're saying, which is, <laughs> Well, I I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm struck by, you know, like, obviously I know, I know you quite a bit better, Catherine, um, but even in, in, again, following you for years, Michelle, and and speaking with you, you both seem to have like such a healthy mindset around movement and are just around health. 
And I think that for me feels so like exciting as I think about you both as moms and like how healing that can be Um, as, as someone who, again, I have a wonderful mom who's like also very fit as a 70 year old and all of that stuff. And like, there were so many things around like what, what exercise was supposed to mean or be for and all of that stuff that like, I don't hear come through at all when, when I hear you both speak, which feels like so awesome. And, um, and I feel again, like so excited for, um, for you and your kids that like, that you're, that you're kind of nurturing this really like wonderfully positive relationship with something that's so instrumental to our like health and longevity. So I just, you know, want to high five you (laughs) about that. It's great. I'll take that. (laughs) Um, so Michelle, is there any, anything that we didn't ask you about or any, any last, whether it's pieces of advice or tips for women that are in or about to enter into this part of their, um, maternal health journey? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I said before, is just postpartum is such, it's a tough, it's a tough time especially early on, you know, navigating your life now with a baby or two or three, however it might might be, is you are changed. You, your body has changed. Your mind has changed. Your family has changed. So a lot, a lot has changed and being able to accept that change in your whole life is going to be really instrumental in understanding who you are now that you're a mom. Um, I think that a lot of times women either clam up in the thought of like, I'm I'm never going to be able to travel again, or I'm, I'm never going to have my body back or like whatever it may, might be is I'm never going to X, Y, Z. And instead of saying that, I definitely encourage you to, you know, think of the positive things that come out of being a mom. Like I get to make food for my two kids every day. Like that's a huge blessing. Like, yeah, it's pretty hard sometimes. And I don't get to go out as much as I did before, but it's so nice to be able to, um, when you, when you change your mindset in that way is, you know, it's, it's changed, but it's changed for the better. And in a lot of ways you're, you will always be changed, but not um, to look at it as a negative. It's just really going to impact physically, stress, emotionally, like it impacts so much in your life. So accepting change and not letting it bring you down and not letting it um, keep you stagnant is really going to be empowering as a woman. So highly encourage that as a mindset shift, as a philosophy that you take going forward is to accept the new you in knowing that I, I think that you can be even stronger after you have kids, because like we were saying earlier, you're not sleeping and you are getting to work out, but it's going to be broken up and it's going to be messy sometimes, but you're still going to do it. Like there's so many different things that happen and knowing that you can be stronger after is really empowering. Love that. Catherine, how does that sound to you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I was just going to say, thank you, Michelle. That, that was everything, everything you said resonated and everything you said, I can 
highly relate to. I feel like my bandwidth has stretched in a way that I never knew it could stretch. And I feel stronger. I feel more capable than I ever thought. Like, oh, I can hold my 16 pounder and throw in a load of laundry. And what I'm saying, it's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I um, crack up with my friends when they're like holding or my family holding my six month old and they'll be holding it for like an hour. And then the next day they'll be like, my arm is so sore. I'm like, yeah, I know. Try every day, all day. That's why I'm so strong. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for, for being here again and imparting all of this wisdom as always, um, remind our listeners where they can find you. Mm-hmm. So you can find me on Instagram at fitstagram.michelle or fitstagrammichelle.com is my website where you can download my app and you get a free week trial. So love to see you in both of those places. Yeah, and we'll be sure to drop um, both of those um, places in our um, in our show notes as well so they can um, check you out, give you a follow as well. Um, and you can um, find us at Revive CFW on Instagram. You can also visit our website at revivecfw.com. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, Reactivity TV, which is on YouTube. And my husband and I talk about The Bachelor and how it relates to relationships and life. So it's a fun one. Go check that out too. Um, but we will be back next week with another great interview. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, we are wishing you well.